Welcome, you're listening to the Media Talk 101 podcast. Media Talk 101 is a nonprofit ministry dedicated to teaching media discernment in the light of following Christ. I'm the founder and president, Philip Telfer. I'm the host of this weekly podcast back in the studio with my friend and co-host, co-worker, Rhett Simpkins, also a star in the award-winning documentary, Captivated. <laughs> so... Tell us about your uh, tell us about your famous role in Captivated, Rhett. Well, it wasn't easy. My lines were very hard to memorize. Memorize? <laughs> it was an interview. Yeah, I'm kidding. So that no, was great. Actually, you did a really good job, and uh, Emily did a great job too. She didn't say anything the whole time, you know. So. She was a very yeah. She was great at just looking at me and in admiration of her husband, yes. just doing such yes. a good job speaking. Actually, Emily did share. And when we were editing the uh, documentary, I'd originally planned to have Emily's comments, but um, you know, when we our first edit was three hours long, and we had to get it, you know, under mm. two hours, and and we kept having to cut and nip and tuck here, and all of a sudden, Emily's great line got snipped out of the hit the cutting room floor, as they say. Mm-hmm. But um, really appreciate you and Emily and raising your two boys for the glory of the Lord and, and uh, living there in rural Mount Carroll. Uh, and today, recording a podcast. So last week, we uh, started on a, a particular topic, Rhett, based on a question that one of our podcast listeners uh, posed. Now, this was anonymous, and it was a pretty lengthy question. So could you maybe summarize it this week as we jump back into this subject? I'll do my best to, to try to narrow it down. Um, it seems that the heart of this question is really, um, you know, what is the purpose of Christian filmmaking? Is it to uh, bring attention to yourself in making films? Is it being a filmmaker? Is that what it's all about? Or is it bringing glory to the name of Jesus Christ through the filmmaking. And so he was just interested in, in your thoughts on that subject. Wow. I just had this uh, this thought pop into my head, and I don't know if we could pull it off or not. I wish wish we could give like your the top 10 reasons why Christians make films. <laughs> you know, give mm-hmm. a, I don't know if we can get 10 reasons, but I think we could probably, between the two of us, come up with, with some reasons why uh, Christians make films, and then we could maybe try to integrate that into our talk. Now, last week, in all fairness, I mean, we I rambled on for who knows how long, and I don't know if I confused people more than I helped them, and this week, I don't know if I can guarantee any better, but uh, we'll do our best, because I do want to, I want to address several things that... Uh, have been on my mind about this subject of Christian filmmaking. And last week I was using the analogy of the Christian uh, film or Christian music industry. So I'd like to go back to that for a moment and kind of pick up where we left off. And you know, there was not a Christian industry, music industry, though Christians have always been involved in music. And in fact, probably the greatest musician in Christian or in, in, um, well, it's, I don't know if you would say Christianity, but we would say in the Bible would be uh, David. If David lived today, he'd be a Christian, you know. But this was before Christ came, so he was 
he was anticipating Christ, but David, the King David, was uh, one of the greatest musicians in the Bible who, who wrote many of the Psalms and who God used in a powerful way and who established praise. So it wasn't an industry necessarily. It wasn't like he was starting something to compete with the world. Uh, you know, you know, David wasn't wringing his hands going, oh, what are we going to do? The people have all these secular radio stations they're listening to and, you know, they're going to fill their mind with all this nonsense. We better give them some good stuff. Uh, they, he, he, was, he was doing it specifically for the glory of the Lord. You know, he invented instruments. He wrote songs. He established thousands of musicians and singers that, that uh, perform music before the Lord in the tabernacle around the clock, night and day. This was their job. So, so Christians, you know, people that, that are following God, and of course, back in that time, it was, the, it was the Jews, it was Israel, it was Judah, they, representing God's people, uh, they have been, you know, God's people have always expressed uh, their love for the Lord and their adoration and worship through music, among other things. So... As we look at uh, what's happened in our contemporary days of Christian music going into and becoming an industry, you know, kind of an alternate music genre in itself, you know, so now you can go to iTunes and if you were shopping for music, you can look up the genres of music and you're going to find one that says Christian, (laughs) you know, it'll have the Christian label. And if you get into that genre, you're going to all find all sorts of stuff. Now, before that that's pretty contemporary before that if you go back in time you could go to classical music and you know if if you could go back several hundred years and uh and if we had iTunes back then you know it wouldn't be wouldn't necessarily be you know Bach you know saying hey I'm going to I'm going to make sure my music ends up on the the Christian iTunes channel uh it, but but he was writing his music for the glory of God so we talked about that but what has changed is there is a distinct industry, uh, Christian music industry today. It's kind of found its own legs for good or for bad, and uh, they, they it's it, it's a mechanism. It's a machine. You know, they have their just like the world has their mechanisms. And in fact, I was listening uh, to the radio the other day, and and I heard about the a, a, a Christian music cruise you can take. So you can go on a cruise. And with some of your favorite uh, Christian musicians while you're on that cruise. Um, so that's kind of wh- where we've come to today. But it didn't start there. It started back in the 70s with uh, some humble Christians that had gotten saved out of the hippie movement. They started uh, writing songs with their acoustic guitars and their long hair and singing about Jesus. And if you listen, if you, I've got some old records from those times. And it was very pure. It was very innocent. You know, it's, it was songs from, it was scripture songs, you know, verses from the scripture that they were putting to music or testimony songs or songs that were about Jesus. And it was distinct from the world. And it was, it was an expression, it was an act of worship. Uh, it was an act of, of just hearts on fire for, for Jesus. And that's what this was coming out of. Well, that spawned one of the first Christian music labels, Maranatha, which was a lot of worship or outreach music. You know, it was dis- but it was distinctly 
Jesus music. In fact, that's what it was known as, Jesus music. So there was no qualms about it. This wasn't crossover. This wasn't trying to appeal to the world. This was trying to distinguish itself from the world. Hey, we, we, we're saved now. We have a whole new life, and we want to express uh, that life in various ways, including our music. And But uh, it didn't stop there, because then it became eventually a business. Because there was, you know, CDs to be recorded, or at that time it was records and then cassettes, and uh, people to, to buy those records and cassettes and, and tours to, to go on, and, and all of a sudden it grew bigger and bigger, and then it became a viable uh, occupation for people, you know, so this, this was something that someone who had some skill and some talent and some, you know, the right look uh, oftentimes is necessary unfortunately, then uh, you could you could have a successful career and then became more music labels and marketers and all, you know, it's it's now it's its own industry. And so as we look at that, we can possibly see what might be happening in Christian filmmaking as well, kind of a parallel, but it's about, I, I don't know, I'm just going to throw out a number there, 15 or 20 years behind uh, Christian music and some of the the endeavors it's made. Now, in all of this, as I'm mentioning about all this, and Rhett, you know me, <laughs> you know you know my heart about this. In, in talking about this, I'm not validating it all. I'm not saying this is all a good thing. I'm just saying as we observe what's happened in contemporary Christianity, we see, we can observe what has happened with Christian music and that it has an established industry now that's distinct. And so there's just no question. You, you, there's not. It's not a. Uh, it's not an issue of crossover or this or that. It's like these are distinctly Christian musicians, whether they're good at what they're doing or not, or whether their music is bold or whether it's not. That's that's for another conversation and another time and place. But we do see an industry, and the question is: is that is that where we see uh, Christian filmmaking going as well? So, did that make sense, Rhett? Yeah. Okay, well, how about this? Let's let's see if we can come up with, and this is, you know, for, for our podcast listeners here, this is completely unscripted. In fact, most of the stuff that we've been doing these days has been completely unscripted yeah. uh, because of our schedules. But um, so let's, let's see if we can come up with the top 10 reasons why Christians might want to make films. So why don't you, why don't you throw one out there? I'll write it down so that we don't, we don't, uh, get doubles on here well uh i would hope that uh, near the top of the list certainly would be uh evangelism okay well let's let's write this down so one reason why christians would want to make films is uh evangelism now is just looking at this i would say what a legitimate use of mass media (laughs) since Mm -hmm. filmmaking is is a what is our what is our slogan Every song is a sermon, every movie is a message, every TV is a teacher, every word is a weapon, and a picture's worth a thousand words. So so that reminds us that there's no such thing as neutrality when it comes to uh, this kind of, of communication media. You know, when you're talking about music, or you're talking about film, or television, I mean, it it's, it's not neutral. You, it, there's a message behind all of it, so that's that's not even a question. I mean, that's part of that's basic media literacy. Even if you are, 
a not a Christian and you were in a a lot of secular you know a lot of the government schools today require uh, high school students to get a certain amount of what they call media literacy uh, teaching and obviously not from a biblical worldview but the idea of basic media literacy is understanding that all media has a message and those messages have an impact in our life so knowing that certainly as a Christian using the tool of media for evangelism is a uh, is a great idea but here's a question for you Rhett how does that actually work I mean do Christians actually make films that that the world will watch and uh, what do you think uh, I'm not sure I I would think that it's possible but maybe not um... I don't know. I don't know if it would be something that would be used in a massive way. Yeah, you know, there's kind of a nuance to it because if a Christian is making a film about Christ and presenting the gospel, because that's what evangelism is. You know, evangelism is not some mealy-mouth allusion to goodness or, you know, a higher power or... um, That's not the gospel. I mean, whether... Or not, there's anything beneficial to that is a, is also for another uh, conversation and another time and place. But if we're talking about the gospel and evangelism, we're talking about a distinct message about Jesus mm-hmm. and about his life, his death, his resurrection, and that uh, when a person believes upon Jesus Christ, that they are and they repent of their sins, they're forgiven, and they're reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, and that begins a whole new life. And it's and so there's ways that you can creatively do that, and you can um, you can do that through biography. You could just simply tell people stories that have come to Christ. Mm-hmm. You know that that that's actually been accomplished before. You know, and you could you could tell you could tell the story of of Christ. There, you know, there's been films about Jesus. There have been films that are are more creative and and their storytelling to try to weave a, a gospel message. But the purpose of it is that you'd hope that a person who watched that, who was not a Christian, would would consider uh, Christianity. Not, well, you know, that sounds bad, C- considering Christianity. I mean, that's, this isn't like an option, you know, choosing, you know, Walmart over Target. You know, this is, this is about the life-changing truth of the message of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. So, you know, so the evangelist or the person doing an evangelistic film would hope that someone would come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, recognize their sin, repent and turn to Jesus Christ and become a new creation through Jesus Christ. So that's, it's a noble goal. Pulling that off is, is kind of challenging because that kind of film is probably not going to fare well in the, the whole Hollywood scene. You know, I don't think it's going to get a lot of support. Mm-hmm. It's not going to probably get a lot of funding. It's going to be shown in in many theaters. In fact, you know, it may mean you have to pay for a theater to show a film like that. And and then the question is, is are people going to show up? You know, are they going to actually uh, be present? Are non-Christians going to show up to watch the film? Well, probably, maybe, maybe not. It depends whether you're trying to bait and switch them or not. Or, or maybe it's you know, like evangelistic crusades that I've been along with, whether it's uh, Billy Graham or Luis Palau, you you uh, know that Christians are pro- or non-Christians are probably not going to attend unless you invite them. So there, there you go. There's an there's an, so you 
you rent a theater, you 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 have the movie, you play the movie, and you get Christians to invite non-Christians to come, and, and they buy the ticket for their non-Christian friends, and they buy the popcorn and say, hey, let's go watch this movie. And uh, so <laughs> there's, there's validity to that. Now, a question <laughs> would be, is if you went through that, so Rhett, if you had an option of uh, taking someone to go see a non-Christian to go see a Christian film that you knew was going to have a compelling message, would would you want to do that? Um, sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I would. I would. Uh, so would I. You know. So I th- there's, but also I know that it's more likely that I will be able to engage people with the gospel um, on a one to one. You know, it doesn't have to be in a. It doesn't have to be in a theater. Uh, it can be in a coffee shop. It could be out on the street. It could be through at work, you know. So certainly film has a place, but it's not the only place. And so as we look at this number one reason why a Christian might want to make films is for evangelism, then we say amen. You know, there's a good reason. But we also know that um, film is is limited. So it's going to be limited, especially an evangelistic film is going to have its limit. It's going to take a lot of work, you know, working with churches and getting non-Christians to come if that's the goal. To, to evangelize. That kind of energy and work um, might make it easier for those who are not so comfortable sharing their faith. You know, maybe that's the case. But maybe maybe the answer to that is we help people be more bold with the gospel, you know, in their own lives. So we see that it shouldn't be a replacement. Mm-hmm. You know, we shouldn't look at Christian film as being the answer to evangelism. Uh, so, so, but certainly that's a good, I believe, valid reason. So let's think of another one. Number two. So we have one evangelism. What would be another reason? Well, why a Christian would want to make a film? I had another reason, but I think it kind of would go across the board. Um, just simply teaching, teaching okay. truth, discipleship. Uh, Maybe we just say sure. discipleship. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it could even just be history, or you know, just teaching anything that's true. Conveying, conveying truth, you know, in a creative way. That's very, that's what we did with Captivated, mm-hmm. you know, that's right along the lines. It wasn't, I mean, we have a little bit of evangelism in the film, thinking that it's possible that maybe uh, a non-Christian will watch Captivated. So we want to make sure that the a basic gospel message is presented. And we did that not only in the main body of the film, but also in some of our bonus features. But that wasn't really the target, you know, we weren't, uh, the film was not designed to be an evangelistic film as much as it was as a teaching tool for the church. We knew what our target audience was. So I believe that that's a a valid thing. But here's the, here's, once again, as we look at that, is that can, is that only done well through film? No. No, I mean, certainly we can, you can read books, you can teach one-on-one. There are other ways, and so it's not like film has the corner on the ability to teach. What film has the corner on is is broadcast, you know, is, is being able to get out further, to spread a message that you might not be able to communicate otherwise. And that's the case for Captivated. We can, we can attest to that. We, we had someone inquire this week from Norway, you know, that they want to to know if they could get some copies to distribute in Norway. And we have someone that wants to buy 500 copies for Australia, you know, and I've never been to Australia. I've never been to Norway. And that's only a handful of the many countries that Captivated is being distributed in. 
we uh, captivated it's being translated into Russian for Russian satellite. I don't know Russian, and I don't have any way to to reach out to Russians. But um, you know, through our documentary, we're able to send our message out that we're teaching through through this particular medium. So that's that's an important thing. But one one uh, one thing I do want to make mention on both of these subjects of evangelism and teaching is that film can do can be a part of those things but they it can't be the end you know because a film as much as i i'm i think we did it the best job we could with our documentary captivated but you know what a film can't make disciples mm-hmm. you know people disciple people not films now, someone would make an argument, oh yeah, film does disciple. Well, yes, the, a constant stream of film, especially non-Christian media, trains the mind, but it, but it's very shallow, you know, and so we recognize that. We, we recognize how shallow people become when they're constantly fed their information through the, the medium of television and movies. It's limited, but that's what people are consuming that all the time. It, it, it makes their thinking very, very shallow. And the same would be the case for Christians. If we only tried to disciple people through film, I mean, the Christianity in America is shallow enough as it is. And maybe it's because we're doing too much trying to disciple people through film. But um, does that make any sense? Yeah. And uh, so, so it has its place, and I believe it has a legitimate. So there's a reason. So there's two reasons why a Christian would want to make films. Let's think of another one. Number three, what else? Um, I guess they could just make it simply for entertainment. Okay, they want to entertain. Um, I'll write it down. I'm not saying good or bad. I'm just yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a reason. <laughs> I know. I'm, but I'm writing it down. Enter entertainment. So, well, you know, there is there a place for entertainment, even for Christians. What do you think? We've we've actually talked about this on a podcast before. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, there's a time for repose and for relaxation. Um, but you know, certain. I think our culture has gone to the extreme on that. Yes. Well, and that's just it. We've talked about this before. How the the concept of entertainment or amusement uh, is, if you go back a couple hundred years you know, had a whole different meaning because it was the exception to the rule. The rule was you worked hard, you thought hard, you, mm-hmm. you, and, and there was a, a need for some rest and there was a need for some relaxation and a, and a need to, to, um, well, recreation, it recreate, you know, we, you recreation, this idea of renewing through, through different things that, and so with entertainment, I would say as long as if, it, if it's something that's lawful, you know, lawful kind of entertainment, something that's not um, something a Christian shouldn't be uh, consuming anyway, you know, these are the things we talk about, content issues, then, you know, entertainment can have, it does have value if it's in the right context. Unfortunately, we live in a culture where everything is out of whack and entertainment is the is the default. It's the rule, not the exception. And so a lot of what's driving Christian filmmaking is this idea is we we have a culture of people who their diet 
it consists of all this media, you know. And in fact, the, we've stated the statistics before. The average teen consumes seven and a half hours of media every day. The average American watches 4.7 hours of television every day. Uh, so that's beside what they're spending time on the computer and the time going to the movie theaters and the time listening to the radio. You add all of that up and it's a, it's about half of a person's life just spent consuming media. We have an entertainment-driven culture. And so one of the Christian responses to that is, wow, we have to make sure that people, because we're a bunch of media addicts, have Christian content because, you know, they're consuming all this media. We don't want them consuming all the bad secular media. We want them to consume good, good media. And so we need to produce more good Christian films. So that's, that's some of the mentality today, but it doesn't, it doesn't really deal with the issue that we are media addicts. So, Mm -hmm. so maybe we don't need as, as much Christian entertainment as some might think. We just need uh, when someone does it, it needs to be solid and needs to be, you know, <laughs> it needs to be better. Maybe if you had one every hundred years, that was really entertaining. We could, uh, maybe I'm using hyperbole there, but, uh, but I don't know if that's really the need that mm-hmm. we have to we really have. We've lived years and years, you know, society and mankind lived without movies. Nobody died for not having seen a movie, you know, up until the early 1900s. So um, we know it can be done, but today in our culture, it's a must. You know, we must be entertained. And so that's, that's a problem, and I would, I would caution, though I agree with you, we put it on our list because it is one of the motivating factors for a Christian who might be wanting to get into, into filmmaking as they want to be part of entertaining people. I would, I would just be very, if someone was asking my opinion, if it was a filmmaker saying, well, what's your opinion on this? I would say, I would be very cautious because I'm not certain that that's the best use of your abilities and skills and time. And I'm not certain that that's, though you can certainly, you know, there's an industry, there's a growing industry for that. And you might be able to, uh, you know, have fun or, or make a living doing what you're doing. I'm not sure that's the best goal of, of a Christian but that's just simply my opinion, you know. That's the, and there are other opinions on that matter. But if if someone was asking my opinion, that I would just be very cautious about that. So um, let's see. Let's think of a fourth one. One that comes to my mind, Rhett. Even think about entertainment. It kind of ties into this, and I mentioned it just briefly. There is maybe that someone just thinks it'd be a really cool job. You know, mm-hmm. you gotta every, you gotta work, right? You know, there's nothing wrong with with work. You, you, I mean, we're called to work. And especially, you know, if you're raising a family or even if you're, you were single, I mean, you got bills to pay, you got things to do. So, I mean, if you think about it, what would you rather, what would you rather do, you know, make, make movies and make a living doing that or, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's so many things you could do. You could be a bug exterminator, Uh you know, you could, you could, you could be one of these guys who go clean out septic systems, you know, have a big pumper truck, go clean out septic tanks. I mean, the reality is some people look at that and say, I don't know. I don't know about cleaning out septic tanks. I think I'd rather um, make movies yeah. and uh, create more sewer, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> and, and Media Talk 101 is, is like the ministry of the septic tank, <laughs> you know, I'm pumper. Sucking out of it. <laughs> so we digress. But anyway, so, so I'm going to write that down as number five is an occupation, you know. 
So this is what uh, we want to occupy. So is that, what do you think, right? Is that a legitimate occupation? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's definitely a need um, for content creators uh, as being Christians for some of these other things that we've already talked about to make those evangelistic films and those teaching films. And yeah, but what about, you know, what, what if... What if doing that, really, you couldn't make a living doing that? Because there's just not enough support for it. You know, there's not enough money flowing through ticket sales or DVD sales or something. And, and you just, it, it's going to be really hard to make a living doing that. So, you know, but but you could make a living just work making secular films. But you're, you're a Christian. So, I mean, that actually does happen. You know, yeah. I mean, there are quite a few people that do that. And uh, it's an it's an occupation. So what what would your concerns? Do you have any opinions about that? Well, yeah, I mean that would be a tough industry to be in without compromising your convictions. Um, but I think it could be done. It just would not be easy. Yeah, you know that's kind of my thought about it. You know, if if for some reason you were a person who wanted to remove Christianity from a filmmaking career, uh, then certainly regardless of, of whether how we would differ philosophically on that subject, which we would, you know, but regardless of that, certainly God would call you, no matter what you do in life, to be salt and light and and undefiled in in what you do. You know, that's that would be for everybody. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all unto the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we as Christians are called to represent Christ, whether you're a plumber whether you're the septic tank pumper, whether you're the bug exterminator, or whether you want to pursue a career in the movie industry, uh, that's not, none of those are an out. Every one of those, whether you're a carpenter, uh, doesn't matter. You, you are called to be a reflection of Jesus Christ, to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, and to, to have, like you said, convictions, but I would say to stay what I would call undefiled, you know, meaning that you, you are a people that are, are set apart, which brings up one of the verses I, I really was pondering. And let me, let me turn to this here for a moment. I got to find my notes here. In Exodus 19, verse 5 and 6, God is speaking to Moses but he's speaking to the, all of the people of the children of Israel. And he says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So notice this, Rhett, and here's the question here. This holy nation, this kingdom of priests, were, was just... Just a select few? Who was he speaking to? Well, it seems like he's speaking to the entire uh, nation, the entire yeah. assembly. He says, these you shall speak to the children of Israel. Mm. He's, he says, it's all of you. You are all called to to um, obey God's voice, to keep his covenant. And the result is you'll be a, you're a special treasure. You're going to be a a people that are set apart, a kingdom of priests. This is actually the first mention. Exodus 19 is the first mention of the kingdom of God uh, in the Bible. And so the the idea of a, what is a kingdom, I mean, it's, it's a group of people under a king. And so God says, I'm going to be your king, 
and you are going to be my kingdom, but your kingdom of priests, and you're going to be special. And this is, this is, but it's all of you. It's not just a select few. And Peter, in his epistle, actually uh, makes reference to this to, and, and affirms that this is, this extends and actually its fulfillment is in the church, in Christians. First Peter 2, verse 9 and 10 says, but you are, speaking to the Christians there, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So he says that as Christians, we are to be this holy nation and we are to proclaim the praises of God. Now, is this just for the pastors? No. Is is this just for the evangelistic filmmakers? Nope. I mean, who's this for? Everyone. So so it includes Rhett Simpkins in the MediaTek 101 office, but it also includes the Christian who has the pest control company. It includes the Christian who works at the bank. It includes the accountant. It includes, you know, no matter what industry or occupation a Christian may fill, they have a calling that that goes even beyond that, and that is to be a people that are set apart to proclaim his praises, to be a holy nation, to be this royal priesthood. And so that applies, and so regardless of, of what you actually do for an op- occupation, God has called you to be this. So so you have to be separate. You have to be a, a type of people that are, are um, undefiled. And and that's the big question, because you mentioned about holding convictions, and there's just so, there's just, people don't have convictions. So many Christians are so wishy-washy, and they don't have any convictions. But certainly, I believe there is a place for Christians to be in a, uh, in a career, in an occupation of filmmaking, but in that, they can't just check Christianity at the door. Not, none of us can. When I worked, I worked in retail for many years, and I was... Uh, I worked in various um, aspects of retail, but even when I was in management, you know, I, it wasn't like there were, you know, there's Christian management and there's non-Christian management that they're hiring. You know, they were just hiring me to, to manage departments, but yet I was a Christian in that and I was, and people knew I was a Christian and the way I worked reflected my faith and the way I spoke reflected my faith and the way, and, and I took opportunity when I could to reach out to people. So, so that is certainly, you know, so I would, I would encourage anybody who just says, Hey, I'm just looking for a career. Then, uh, I'd also be very cautious about the stumbling blocks in certain careers, because there are certain careers that are not as, is, um, uh, not as easy to remain as a Christian. I'm not saying it's not, it's not possible. It is possible. It's, it's possible for, there are a lot of Christians that are truck drivers, but, but truck driving today, and we've spent a lot of time on the road, that truck driving, that lifestyle, that, that um, culture is a very rough culture uh-huh. <laughs> and, and one with a tremendous amount of stumbling blocks. And so, you, you know, someone going into that really needs to have a solid faith 
and needs to know that, yes, this is what God's calling me to do, and I'm going to make sure that I put the the boundaries in my life to to pursue my career and remain undefiled and remain, remain upright while being salt and light in my industry. So, so there's a place for that, and uh, regardless of whether it's filmmaking or, or whether it's truck driving. So there's four. We can, I'm sure we can come up with, with a few more. What's a, what's a fifth thing? Why, why would Christians want to um, make film? I thought of possibly, well, definitely uh, promotion or advertising. Okay. Promotion or, yeah. So, in fact, this is probably where I got my start. You know, when I think about the early filmmaking I did, made a couple little videos. In fact, you can, I'm kind of embarrassed if you, if anybody has seen our Media Talk 101 promotional video on our website. That's one of the, it's one of the earliest things I did, you know, without some of the skills and knowledge that I've I've gained over the the last few years and it's probably something we should go back but you know, you start somewhere and uh, you know, even before that, I was dabbling in uh, flash animation and other things for, you know, for the purpose of of you know, working with youth and, you know, when I was, when I was your youth pastor, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was doing stuff with PowerPoint and, and, uh, d- dabbling with flash animation and other ways to try to, you know, communicate visually. So I've, I've, you know, but you do, you can, you can look and say, Hey, there's a need to, in this world, this visual world to, to promote things. So yes, yeah, certainly promotional. And I would say for, um, and this is maybe a little bit different than the teaching, but bringing awareness to things like missions, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if you if you have a film that that's talking about some missions that's happening, it's more like news, you know. You're kind of getting some news about the mission field, and it's not for the purpose of evangelism or even to to teach you something, but to make you aware, you know, so that maybe the response that you would have is prayer or support. So it's somewhat promotional in that sense, promoting what God is doing through missionaries in foreign countries. But uh, certainly promotional media is is important. And, uh, and and that falls also into the occupation. You know, those, you can make a living making commercials and uh, promotional media. Was that kind of what you had in mind, yeah. Brett? Or did I mm-hmm. kind of... Okay. Let's think of a sixth thing. What, what would be another reason why... Uh, Christians would get involved, want to be involved in filmmaking. Well, here's one that's maybe not so good, uh, but just for self-glorification. Aha, self, self-glorification, which is what we would call idolatry. This is this is what drives uh, pop culture today. Is the this desire of of people, whether they're musicians or actors or actresses or movie producers or or sports stars is to actually reach stardom you know to get to a place where people know who you are you're recognized this is the new idol of of the 21st century and unlike the idols of old that were made out of wood or clay or some sort of metal that was crafted by man you know, the Bible says these idols, they have eyes, but they do not see, and they have ears, but they do not hear. They have mouths, but they do not speak. The idols of our day are are living people. They they achieve a, a state of, of um, it's false deity, but it, it's like the 
pantheon of different gods, you know, and goddesses, they they reach this status. And and what what makes them uh, this small g god or small you know or or goddess is the fact that they are being worshipped, you know, being worshipped by people. It could be a small gathering, and that's that's what uh, could even drive because even you know maybe even in Christian filmmaking, you may not have the notoriety of of a more well-known secular actor or actress but you could still find some notoriety among a a smaller subset of people and you could still get to a point of being worshipped and that would be one reason why that might motivate people uh, because they're they're not thinking through these things they're not that maybe their relationship with God is not where it should be or they're not reading those scriptures that were written to the church warning us against idolatry, warning Christians to flee from idolatry. And so we we actually have a podcast uh, from months ago called um, American Idolatry. So you can, you know, look up the archives and see that. So there you go. So self-glorification. Number seven. One thing that comes to my mind is just being enamored with filmmaking because of the idolatry in our culture. So, you know, if you grow up, uh, constantly watching movies and television and, and seeing actors and actresses and all the hoopla about them, all this worship, you know, you might think, wow, I would love to be a part of this this uh, culture, you know, and there there's this just, it intrigues me or I'm, I'm uh, just enthusiastic because it just sounds like something so cool, you know, uh, so, so much, so much fun, you know, that, so I would just say a, um, you know, an enthusiasm for for filmmaking. Now I wouldn't say that this is a good reason to get involved in filmmaking. In fact, if it was just an enthusiasm for filmmaking, I would probably discourage people from. Once again, you might whoever's listening, you might not be asking for my opinion. But if we were sitting across a table and you were to say, "Hey, I'm interested in filmmaking. Could you give me some advice?" And I was to ask what your motivations were, and you're like, "Well, I'm just enthusiastic about filmmaking. I'm not sure that that's the best place, the best foot to start off on. You know, you can be enthusiastic about. I'm enthusiastic about filmmaking, but but my motivation is not for the sake of making films. I have I have different motivation. You know, why I'm enthusiastic about a film, but my enthusiasm is also tempered." By things I'm more enthusiastic about. There's there are many, 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 many things I am more enthusiastic about than filmmaking. And one is my Savior, Jesus Christ. That that should be what we are most enthusiastic about is being, uh, you know, a people that have been redeemed and have been adopted into a kingdom, have been made part of this kingdom of priests, and we get this opportunity to proclaim His praises and be in it be a witness here on this earth to the rest of the world. And so that's what I'm most enthusiastic about. I'm enthusiastic about my family. I'm enthusiastic about pastoral ministry. I'm enthusiastic about discipleship. I'm I'm enthusiastic about coffee. That's a little bit lower down on the list, but <laughs> I, I think, you know, coffee might actually be up there, uh, you know, above filmmaking, <laughs> you know. So as you know, Rhett, I'm pretty... Yes, I, I'm, definitely okay, above so, filmmaking. Okay, so I'm enthusiastic. I roast my own coffee. In fact, I just bought five pounds of organic Ethiopian Yirgis Chef uh, green coffee uh, from uh, San Marcos. And uh, there's a little little coffee uh, 
roaster that has a, they get a booth every week at the farmer's market here in New Braunfels, Texas. And uh, I stopped by there, and of course all the coffee's roasted, and I like to roast my own. So I asked them, hey, do they ever sell green green beans? And, and they said, yeah, no problem. Just tell us what you want, and we'll bring it. So I was able to pick up five pounds of Ethiopian Yirgacheff. Mm-mm-mm. So you can tell I am enthusiastic about coffee. It's it's quite a ritual in our household. So, but we digress and we're running out of time here. So uh, let's think of another one. Number eight. We're on seven. So is an eighth. What's uh, what is another reason why Christians may want to get involved in filmmaking? I don't know. All my all my things are. I don't have anything else written down. Well, uh, you know, maybe there's some subtle difference between just mere entertainment, or, or, or you know, I've heard from many filmmakers they want to they want to make the next epic, you know, ep- next epic film. You know, they want to impact the world with a compelling story. You know, so so we could put down here as different than evangelism or even teaching. They want to. We'll just say make an impact, you know. Uh, of course, this leaves a lot of questions in my mind. Yeah. What, what kind of impact do you want to make, you know? So, I mean, but but some, of, I'll just give you some of the thinking. Well, someone may want to make the impact is like, look, Christians can make good movies just like the world. And we can do just as good of a job and sell just as many tickets and get as much fans and you know, get as many fans and... and uh, have the the same notoriety and to prove to the world that we can craft a film just as good as they do. That's that's some people's motivation. Mm-hmm. It's out there, you know, and they that's the impact that they want to make. They want to prove to the world that Christians can can do this, and um, so that is um, it's an interesting concept, you know. I would say, you know, once again, since we're 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 defining this as, as Christians, you know, we're we're talking about Christians. Uh, so so I would say to the Christian, any Christian, something we always have to keep in mind, and this is important whether we're talking about filmmaking or Christian ministry, or or anything else, is that the one who impacts the world is Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and that's it. There's no other. I mean, there's no no one else ha- has the right world impact. I mean, it's not that other people don't impact the world, but but if we're saying, hey, we want to impact the world, well, well, uh, the most important person to impact the world is Jesus Christ. So there's nothing you and I can do to top that. You know, How, why do we think we could top that? And so so that's why, as Christians, we point people to Jesus Christ who has had the greatest impact by giving of his life so that people who, all of us, who were estranged from God because of sin could be reconciled to him. This is the this is the most important uh, news flash for the world. It, it, it is necessarily the biggest eternal impact is what Jesus did in coming and dying on a cross and what he continues to do in his ministry through the church. So, so anything less than that is, is really not very lofty, you know. So what, what gets me is how Christians can make these really lofty claims of what they want to achieve, you know. 
And of course, you know, you can sprinkle, you could put the veneer on it. We want to do this for the glory of God. We want to prove, you know, that we can do this great epic Christian film. You know, uh, oh, of course it's for God's glory. Uh-huh. My question is, and how how is that for, how is it for, it's for man's glory a lot of time. You know, really, is it for God's glory? Because how is God most glorified? Through an epic film that has nothing to do with Jesus Christ? Or through the real story of Jesus Christ? That's the epic story. And that's the one that, you know, so I'm, anyway, I could go on and on and on about that. All right, we, we need two more. I mean, there's probably there's probably more than nine or ten. I mean, this is this is completely arbitrary. So you can you're more than welcome to write in and, and give us another list of, of uh, ten things or something. We'd be glad to talk about them. But uh, since this is Rhett and I and we have the microphones and and the record button here and and we we're the ones kind of in the pilot seat, so to speak. Um, you know, it's up for us to come up with these ten things. So let me let me try to think why another reason number number nine well there are help me out Rhett this whole right brain left brain thing you know what do you remember about that so which which is the creative side I forget oh I can't remember either I think it's right brain isn't it the right brain are the creative people and the left brain are the more you know stoic and you know mathematical and I don't know uh, you know, but but we have like we certainly have creative types, you know, and uh, people that just are more theatrical in life. I've got, I mean, out of all my children, I've got one that's more theatrical than than others. <laughs> you know, they're more dramatic, and uh, so I mean, God has wired each of us different. And and for me, though, I don't see myself in you know on a stage, you know, acting or anything like that. I am a storyteller, and I do like to tell stories. I like to communicate through story. So, so that's, that's something. And, and to me, the idea of communicating a compelling story, this, this might be too much close to number two when we talked about teaching, mm-hmm. but, um, but I'm grasping for something here. So I'm going to put it, you know, I'm just going to put to, um, you know, create creative minds, creative people, you know, uh, want to, uh, who want to tell a compelling story. Yeah, several of the ones that I've thought of, you know, seem like they fall into another category, like, you know, a job. Certainly that's so that you could earn a living, but you could also add in there, um, you know, just the idea of making money and far beyond just sustaining yourself, but just becoming rich. That could be a motivation. Okay. not saying well, necessarily that's going to happen in the Christian film industry, but that could be a motivation. Well, yes. I mean, now, wealth, the pursuit of wealth. I mean, there are, there are different ways that you can pursue wealth. And, uh, of course, we have a lot of warnings from, from Jesus himself. He spoke more about uh, this subject than he did uh, many others, you know, that we might think of as, as things that we've got to be be careful about. But he said... He said, beware and be on your guard against any form of greed, for even when one has an abundance, his life does not consist of his possessions. And we're also taught in the scriptures that we are to be content with what we have. And we're also told that the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And there are, you know, there are verse after verse after verse of things that warn us about the, the, uh, the, how that, that direction is, 
is not a good direction. You know, if that's the purpose, if that's the motivation. But you, but you're right. I'm glad you brought this up because this could be a motivator for some people. I just want to make a lot of money now. There, there have not been many Christians, I, as far as I know, that have made a lot of money doing Christian filmmaking. Some of them have done okay. You know, even if we think about some of the block, well, what would be Christian blockbusters, not not necessarily compared with the world, but think about the um, the Kendrick brothers mm-hmm. in their films, like uh, Facing the Giants, and then um, Fireproof. Oh, Fireproof, and then Courageous, and they're mm-hmm. working on a new film now. The uh, you know these are, those have all been have done really good. You know, fire fireproof uh, grossed I think thirty six million dollars if I recall in the box office in box office ticket sales, and we go like, wow. So they the the Kendrick brothers made thirty six million dollars. No, the Kendrick brothers did not make thirty six yeah. million dollars. Sony made most of that thirty six million dollars, and a lot of it was spent. You know, when you see. You know, that's interesting today when you see the marketing for Christian films. If, you, if you've if you heard about it, it's because someone's marketing. And, you, and I know, I mean, marketing is expensive. And so when you when you look around on every, around every corner and you start seeing an advertisement for a particular Christian film, uh, there has been a tremendous amount of money that's been poured into that. And so when that, if that money, if that film makes money, uh, the big question is, is will it make enough? to pay for what it costs to promote that film. Yeah. And so you you might have a film that even if it makes a couple million dollars, it might have, between the production and the promotion of that film, it might be $3 million. So you, you spent $3 million, but you only got $2 million back out of it. It's a loss. So you're dealing with big numbers, but uh, not necessarily profitability. But certainly Hollywood has found a way to make films profitable, and so have other Christian filmmakers, to make it at least viable. But uh, once again, for the pursuit of wealth, there's probably, maybe it's getting there. And I think there are people who, you know, there are now investors that invest in Christian filmmaking because they look at this as a way to turn a profit. And so that's that certainly could be, it shouldn't be the motivating factor, but but it is. So that, actually we made it to 10 and once again, there may be more, but that would at least uh, fulfill the, the goal of this podcast. I do have more to say about this subject. And so um, I just thought this might be a good way to, to kind of have a template to work off of and to talk about some of these things and to go back to this original question about this, what, what was called the Christian veneer, you know, on a lot of films that Christians are producing that just, it's so shallow there's very little Christian content or message there. And in fact, it's so small, you could edit it right out and you wouldn't know otherwise. And this gets into more into the uh, whole realm of, of worldview and storytelling. And uh, uh, what, uh, what is it? What, what's the direction that this is all going? And these are things that uh, we're, we're thinking through and we're concerned about. And we want to help others. to. Th- we want to kickstart some thinking. So that's enough for this week and join us next week and we'll continue this discussion on uh, Christian filmmaking. You've been listening to the Media Talk 101 podcast. Visit mediatalk101.org for helpful articles, videos, and other resources. Click on the audio tab to get a free download of Philip's audiobook, What Wouldn't Jesus Do? Media Choices in the Light of Following Christ. 
And if you haven't seen our award-winning documentary, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture, be sure to order your copy today. Parents Television Council calls it deft and powerful, and numerous moms, dads, and pastors say it's a must-watch for every Christian family and church. If you have a question or a topic you would like to have discussed on this program, please send an email to podcast at mediatalk101.org.